I had a message all prepared for today, and um, I'm not going to preach that today. And uh, I just felt impressed yesterday uh, morning as I was looking over what I was going to preach that I, I just felt like I shouldn't do that, so I'm going to preach. It was on my heart. I was just, I saw Facebook stuff, and I Googled, I shouldn't have, but I Googled, you know, about uh, there's people that saying that God is pouring out his wrath and judgment on Houston and Florida. And so I just felt like that I needed to address that to our church family. And uh, I know probably 90%, maybe even 98, maybe 99, I don't know. But this is what's in my heart. If there's one person in this church, even one, you need to hear what the Lord wants you to hear today. And um, I believe that uh, God does not pour out his wrath or judgment by uh, sending a hurricane to Houston to try to make America, you know, start praying or to humble ourselves. And um, I just want to go through the logical part. If everybody could take your religious thinking cap off and just think with your natural brain which God has given us, that some people don't use, evidently, because what I read on the Internet that, you know, that God is pouring out his wrath, you know, uh, first of all, that's, that's my father that they're talking about. If, if you ever, this is my thinking. I'm from Kentucky, so I may think a little bit different. But, you know, I think if, if you, somebody who I love, if you're saying that they are causing destruction and deaths and everything, I'm probably going to get a little... Miffed, that's a good word. Uh, I remember that when I was 16, I was working at McDonald's. I was just 16. And you have to remember that I'm not the, the monster person that I am today physically. <laughs> I was, I was, fi- <laughs> I was five foot six and weighed 120 pounds. So naturally, I haven't, yeah, uh, well, I thought so. But uh, I, my best friend, and I got him hired on at McDonald's, and he was more of the ladies' man. Uh, unfortunately, I was not. But uh, he, he, he started dating this, this girl uh, at McDonald's that uh, was um, the girlfriend of a guy who just graduated from high school who was the football player uh, for the football team in Louisville there, one of the high schools. And so he came, uh, he, told, he walked in McDonald's that night, we worked the night shift, you know, we closed, we got off about one o'clock in the morning on a Friday or Saturday night. So he, he came in there, and uh, we were in the back, you know, back then there was segregation, the women worked up front and the men worked in the back. So anyway, there, he just yelled back there, he says, I'm coming back after you all close, and I'm going to settle up with you. And I looked at Bill, and I said, what in the world is all that about? And then that's when he filled me, and he says, the girl that he was dating, he says, that's his ex-girlfriend. I went, holy cow. (laughs) I go, I'm going to be there with you, buddy. (laughs) Bill was tall and slender and everything. The guy weighed about two, the guy who was going to whip Bill, uh, he was in his, you know, 19 years old, about 220. And no fat. 
and uh, 220 of muscle. I was 120 bones. <laughs> so anyway, we close, 1 o'clock. Sure enough, his car's out there. And so he starts yelling and everything. So I just start walking toward him. I says, well, you're going to have to get through me too because I'm going to take you on. Thank God for all of the girls who were closing that night. They had mercy and sympathy. They started running in between me and him because I probably wouldn't be here today because that guy would have killed me. He would have put me six feet under. He would only take him one hit. But, you know, I thought, I'm just going to take up for you, Bill. You don't have to worry about this, Bill. I, I got this. And Bill looked at me and go, what? And he tried to grab me. Then the girls got in front of me. And so they made, the girls made him leave. Thank you, Jesus. I was not even close to God, and God was looking out for me, man. I'm telling you what. But anyway, my point is this. My, I'm making a point here. I just have it in me that I'm going to stand for something that if you're coming against something that I believe my father, then I'm probably going to say something to you. I'm not going to argue with you. I will not, and I don't want anybody in our church arguing with people. I don't. But I would think that you should confront somebody if you hear them say that God is causing these hurricanes. That's slander. That is nothing but slander. It's a lie. And if you do believe that, then maybe you won't after I'm finished today. This message is for you. All right? I just firmly believe this with everything that's within me. There was somebody who's very popular, well-known. He's on YouTube and everything. And he said that... Um, God was causing this, and he says he took from the book of Job that in the book of Job it says that God uh, causes the thunderings and lightnings, and he causes the winds to blow and everything. And he says this is God's uh, telling America that we need to repent, and that we need to do this, and we need to do that. And when I heard that, I just, first of all, I felt sorry for the guy because, you know, he, he's, out of one side of his mouth, he would sit there and say, God is good. But he's going to drown you. God is good. He'll kill your kids. God is good. He'll destroy your house. And I go, well, which one is he? Is he schizo or what? Yeah, amen. That's it. I'm going to But what he didn't realize is if he read the whole book of Job, Job chapter 42, verse 3, this is what you need to respond because people, religious people, Religious people throw out the book of Job. Well, they, they don't read all the way to chapter 42, in my opinion. Chapter 42, verse 3 says, You asked, Who is this great questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. That came from Job's own mouth. So all the way up from verse 1 of chapter 1 to chapter 42, Job said, I'm talking about stuff I don't have a clue. And yet he's quoted at funerals, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. They should quote this, I know nothing what I'm talking about. Are you out there? Job didn't know what he was, he, he didn't have a clue. And people are quoting Job. Job says, you know, Job is the very first book of the Bible ever written. He didn't have, Job did not have the Pentateuch, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He didn't have any Bible to read. 
We got into this on Wednesday. You're missing Wednesday. This is really good. He had the constellations. God taught him the constellations of the redemption story, and that's how he knew about Jesus and about God is through the constellations. But anyway, that's the only God. He didn't have a book to read. He did not. And so he didn't know everything. So God was confronting Job and saying, so you know everything, Job. Is that right? He says, you're darkening my counsel. You don't have a clue what you're saying. So Job, after God confronted him that, he agreed with God, says, you're absolutely right. I do not have a clue of what I've been talking about. And yet people are quoting Job. I'm squeaking on here, man. They're quoting him. Oh, God help us. Well, what about, you know, what about all these natural disasters? You got fires burning. You got hurricanes blowing. Well, first of all, how many know we live in a fallen world? It's just fallen. God predicted in the end days, the last days which we live, that things are going to happen. He, he prophesied that because he knew what was going to happen, but he was not the cause of it. Does everybody know the difference? Just because he says what's going to happen does not mean he's the author of it. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, things as far as the earth and the universe, the whole universe, it has been going downhill ever since. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it, it says that. It says, to this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in contractions of labor for childbirth. We got, we got all kinds of pregnant women. They're about ready. Don't, not today, but... I think that we've got pregnant women galore here, you know. And one thing about, y'all may want to cover up your ears, but I just know that when Melody was in, uh, in there and, you know, they hook you up to the machine, you could see it just does this. And then when it starts doing this, that means contraction, which means pain, which means the womb is. And I'm going to go, oh, no, here comes a big one. It's terrible. I'm so thankful that I'm a man. But anyway. This is what the earth is doing. It's contracting and causing all. It's what's causing the hurricanes, the earthquakes. You can go in the, ge, what's the word that I couldn't say? Geological. I couldn't say it the first service either. The geological and find out how the earthquakes around the planet have increased. It's contracting. Hurricanes and all these natural disasters, they're not from God. Come on, everybody. Don't let these Christians that are religious, and this is what they, they're doing exactly what Job did. They're talking about things they don't have a clue. And people, religious people tend to do this. When you don't know what the answer is, you come up with your own reasoning. You know, when somebody doesn't get healed, well, it's God's will not to heal everybody. That's what, that's what, that's the way I was raised. Well, it's not the will of God to heal everybody. Well, how do you get on the, the healed list? I went on that list. Nobody ever taught me that, but you know, uh, how about God wants to meet all of your needs, but he doesn't meet everybody's needs. Well, how do you get on the list that I want to make sure all my needs are met and nobody ever could tell me. So we just got sick with the rest of them and we stay broke with the rest of them. And all we thought was it was God's will. Come on, church. That is religion. 
It's people who are talking just like Job. They don't have a clue what, the, what really what the Bible is, says. They don't understand that the world is contracting, it's growing old, it's cursed, and it causes earthquake. Stuff happens because of the world we live in, and it's not because of God our Father. Everybody say, he's good, and he's good to me. But he says in the last days, Jesus prophesied that this was going to happen. In Luke chapter 21, verse 7, it says, So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be, and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And Jesus said, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said, nation is going to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I mean, I don't know about you, but boy, I tell you what, you know, North Korea is threatened to shoot a nuke at us. And, and so we, we say, well, if you do, it'll be, you're going to regret it. And so then China and Russia get in and mix of it and say, now listen, you know, we're, we're going to protect uh, North Korea so you can't shoot a bomb at them first, you know. So, and everybody's trash talking. But we're not playing football. This is where we're, we're, we're playing with nukes in this trash talk. And so this, it, that's being fulfilled today. Would you say that? Nation rising up against nation. Everybody talking. I mean, and people are getting fearful. And then verse... Um, 11, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. All these things are going to happen. And verse 31 says, you, so you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Amen. Jesus is coming. So for the church, we don't have to be fearful. We should be, I mean, almost gleeful. Not that that's, the bad things are happening, but knowing that Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? Because this is, this is, you really need to get a hold of this. Psalms 91. Psalms 91 says, A thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto me. Who is, that going to portray, who is that going to be for? It's going to be people who believe that. It's going to be people who believe that. I believe. I know you may think I'm crazy. If the nuke hit Pueblo, either I'm going to be raptured and go to heaven, or if I'm not going to be raptured, when the dust settles, me and my house are going to still be standing. <laughs> you say, what? How many believe that God is more powerful than a nuke? I believe he's more powerful than a nuke. And I believe if it hits... I believe Psalms 91 comes into play for me and our church family that a thousand may fall at our side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto me. But man, I tell you what, if you just believe that God's going to kill you all, then you'll probably just say, well, we're, we're going to go to heaven today because the nuke's coming and, you know, and I'm going to go, no, I, if he raptures me, yes, that's how I'm going to go, but I'm not going to go by a nuke. you got to get radical. Why? Because he loves you so much. That's why. And people are saying, you know, that God's judging us. You know, what's going on in Houston? God's judging Houston because of what the mayor did, what the city did, what the government's doing. And this is what the natural thinking is. All right? Are you following me? 
So you're going to tell me what a handful of people have done and decided are going to destroy people who believe in Jesus, churches that believe. I know personally churches that are destroyed because of the floodwaters. Dad's church, I don't know how much his office, the church that he was raised in, the office of the Hagemeyer Ministry is down there in West Columbia, Texas. I think Dan said the elevation is 36 feet. I mean, you can almost spit and drown down there, but I mean, it's, it's bad. And so you're telling me that uh, all of that, the things that represent the goodness of God and are preaching the gospel, that because of what a handful of people have decided that God's going to pour out his judgment upon the rest of the folks and, and people who are done everything to have their, their homes paid for and the life provided, that they're, they're going to just lose it all. But... Blessed be the name of God. He took care of a handful of people. Really? That is sad of people to believe that. And if you believe that, I'm sorry. Well, not really. I'm not sorry. You, you just need to listen to what the heart of God is. Your father is not doing that. And I can prove it from the word of God. John chapter 12. We did this on a Wednesday night, but some of you weren't there. So we're going to do it again. Verse 31 says, Now is the judgment of this world. The judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. So the subject of that scripture is judgment. Do you understand that? All right. So verse 32. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. The translation theologians have even said this. And that phrase, if I be lifted up, means that if Jesus, he knew he was going to be crucified. That's what that means. He says, if I'm crucified... I'm going to draw all, the word men, if you have a Bible, not an electronic Bible like I got, but if you've got a, a paper Bible, the word men is italicized. How many know what it means when the word is italicized in your Bible? It has been added by the translators. translators it's not in the original Greek. Does everybody understand that? So this scripture reads like this. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all unto me. That's what that scripture was originally written, and that's the way it should be translated. He said, I'm going to draw all unto me. What is the all that he's talking about? You've got to go and find out what the substitute is on verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Judgment is the subject of that scripture. So verse 32 so, this is what he's saying. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all judgment unto me. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, all of the wrath and the judgment of God was poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He took all of God's judgment upon himself. Everybody said, that's good news. Why? Because the day you and I get born again, we will never, ever be judged by God, ever. You say, well, what if I sin? You're not going to get judged. What if I miss it? You're not going to get judged. What if I screw up? You're not going to get judged. In Corinthians, it says that he's not imputing your sins. He's not taking account of your sins anymore. He's not keeping a record of your sins. I know that. People think I'm blasphemy, but it's the word. 
Is it okay to sin? No, sin will kill you. Sin will kill you. But it will not destroy your relationship with God at all. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. For God so loved the world. He died for you while we were yet lost and sinners. He died for you and me. You think he's going to love you less now that you got saved and born again and you screw up? He's going to love you less now, right? Because he he really loved you before you got born again. He died for you. But now that you're saved and you screw up, he's not going to love you as, as much. Really? That's what religion will teach you. I'm just ready to slap religion upside the head. That's what I'm saying. I am. Why? Because it's slandering our Heavenly Father. All judgment is going to be poured out. Well, Pastor, how about, you know, if you believe in the rapture? I believe in the rapture. But if you don't, that's okay. We can still have coffee. I'll just make you buy hot coffee. Anyway, if we're raptured up, God's going to pour out his wrath for seven years. Well, what's all that about? That's because for the people that did not accept the judgment that was paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Does that make sense? So his wrath is going to be poured out upon just people who have not accepted the price that was paid in full. The earth is going to burn. All hell will break loose in those seven years. That's why you need to get as many people saved as you possibly can because you do not want to go through that. You do not even want your enemies to go through that. No. It's going to be bad. You know, hell on earth. Nah, it's just a phrase. It will be hell on earth. He's going to pour out his wrath. A third of the vegetation is going to be burned. A third of the, all the lakes and the water is going to turn to blood. That's a lot of blood. A third of the population is going to be wiped out in literally hours. Stuff is going to happen. Now, I said all of that not to put fear in you because we are not fearful. We are fearless. As a believer, you've got to be fearless. I'm going to get back to, to what people are saying about this is God pouring out his wrath. And, and he's trying to get us to, to uh, repent. Well, first of all, the Bible says it is his kindness that leads us so, I don't know about you, but you may have to get somebody to tell you that it's not very kind to put a hurricane up your nostrils if you're in Houston. I'm being sarcastic as I'll get out. It's, I, I apologize a little. It's not kindness. But yet, we overlook scriptures. We overlook the word of God. We overlook what God tells us based upon stuff that we don't know and so we're just become just like Job. And we become a, a bullhorn that people will listen and put it on YouTube or put it on some uh, ministry telecast for thousands and tens of thousands of people to watch to find out how terrible your God really is. I don't know about you, but if, I, if I'm a heathen in Houston and somebody tells me that God did this, I'm probably not going to go to church next week. Just guessing. I'm probably not going to be on, uh, God's not going to be on my top 10 list that I want to get to know. If he's flooding my house, 
You know, I read a story, it was horrible. A teenager, um, was their, their house was flooded and he was trying to save his sister's cat and there was an electrical lying down and he tried to save the cat and he got electrocuted, killed him. But you know, that's all part of God making us, you know, try to serve him more. Really? You, you, that's warped thinking. I'm sorry, but that's warped with a capital W. That's warped thinking. To think you're God, who is a good, and then they'll say, God's a good God. That person's parents aren't going to think God's good if, he, if they believe that he's the one who did that. Would you? No. I preached it the first sermon. I, I thought I'd get a lot off my chest. It's, it's still there. John 10.10. 10. This is so popular scripture. People say this and quote this. Christians quote this all the time. The thief comes only in order to what? Steal, to kill, destroy. Sounds something like a hurricane would do. Just saying. I came, this is Jesus, that they may have and enjoy life and have it to abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, you can't quote and believe that and then quote and say that I believe God is judging with these hurricanes. Well, honey, it's, you can't believe both of those. But fortunately, this one is in the Bible. The one that you're quoting is not in the Bible. I'm just saying. I think I'd go with the one that's in the Word. All of this causes fear. Our nation is, is in total fear, and people are just scared. You can just see it on the news, and I stay away from it, but if the, what little I, I read on that, it's just people are scared to death. They're fearful. Their homes and, and the fires, and you got hurricanes. You know, what's happening? Are we being judged? Well, this is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So what do you do with all of this fear? God's not giving you a spirit of fear. The people in Houston or Florida right now, there's probably a lot of people fearful down there. I know some, I've got some relatives down there. 1 John 4 talks about fear. Verse 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Do you understand that scripture? It's basically saying this. If there's any time in your life or my life, if I become fearful at any point, no matter what it is, there's only one reason why I'm being fearful. I don't understand how much God loves me. I know people may not like to hear that, but it's true. Listen to the, uh, do I have that in the Passion Translation? Is that the pull? The Passion Translation says this. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. What is love's perfection? It's how much God loves you. So if, I don't care if you're afraid of anything in your life, you can rest assured the root of that problem 
is that you don't know how much God loves you. I'm afraid I can't pay my, this month's rent. You don't know how much God loves you. I'm afraid one of my kids is going to get sick. You don't know how much. I'm afraid the cancer may come on my body. You don't know how much God loves you. I'm afraid fill in the blank. So you know what? I've been praying this, man. I've been believing this. Ephesian prayer says that I may know the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height of his love. That I may know his love. I tell God, God, I don't know how much you love me. I, I do to a little bit, but the more I have come to walk with God, the more I don't understand and, and can wrap my hands around how much he loves me, and yet he wants to show that to me 24-7. So it's up to Mike to just want to desire it and hunger for it and understand it at a greater degree. Because once I do, love is going to... Lit- Listen, you don't have to cast fear out. You know, I've done this before. I take authority over fear. I mean, when I'm, I'm fearless, and I was scared a few times in my life. And I would take authority over fear. You know, I'd just take authority over that, which I understand that. But that's really not the way to combat fear. Hallelujah. That's really not the way to combat it, to take authority over it. The way to combat it is to understand how much God loves you. And it says when it, you do, love drives out fear. So if you've got fear in you, you understand, whoa, 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 fear, what are you doing? God loves me. What are, you, what are you doing in my mind? God loves me. My heavenly father loves me. And that love will automatically push, that scripture says, it will drive it out. It will drive out fear of your life. So you may just want, to, if that's happening to you, if you get in fear, you know what the root of it is. You just sit there on a piece of paper. You do something. You get this scripture and say, I'm full of the love of God. I will not be in fear because the fearless one, is in me the love of God is in me he loves me and I'm not going to let fear do that because I'm full of the love of God amen so you have to understand how much God loves you you have to understand that the natural disasters are going to happen until Jesus comes stuff is going to happen there's going to be earthquakes there's going to be tornadoes there's going to be hurricanes but you do need to believe this that it shall not come nigh my dwelling. We do have authority. People say, well, what, what, why is God allowing all this stuff to happen? About a month ago, I'm not going to go into it, but I preached about that God gave the earth to man. Yeah. We haven't done such a good job. I didn't give you this scripture, but Luke 10, 19, I'll quote it a lot. Luke 10, 19 says this. I threw a curveball to you, Amy. He says, Behold, I give unto you power. This is God talking to you and me. He says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So, we do have a responsibility of using the authority that has been given to us. The authority of the Lord Jesus Christ is inside you and me. If you do not know how much authority you have, the devil will slap you upside the head all day long. And they are people getting slapped, Christians that are getting slapped and blaming God. People are blaming God. Just makes you want to call them a little Jobet or something, you know. I'm teasing, don't do that. 
And don't argue with people. I, I've said this. I will confront, if I hear somebody say, you know, that the Lord is doing this, I will confront them. I'm sorry, I just will. Now, if they get their vein pops out and everything, I'll just say, okay. I'm not going to argue with you. But I am going to feel sorry for you. I am. Because if you think that's the way your father treats you, the way that some Christians talk, I wouldn't serve God, would you? I mean, he, he took their daughter, caused me to lose my job, caused my wife to leave me, and I lost my house, and I totaled my car. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, let's see how far that line, let's line up to go to that church. Let's line up to serve that God. I say this, and I've said it so much, and yeah, and it's a little sarcasm, but listen, if there is one person that attends this family church, I have an obligation to get you to change or at least think differently. If 99% of you do think the way that I preach, that is awesome. But if one, Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 to go after the one, and I'll preach this message all day long to get one person to think differently, that God is good, that he's a loving father, that no matter what you do or what you've done or what your past looks like, he's going to love you forever. And he was never going to cause any kind of tragedy to come your way. He's never going to cause a hurricane. He, he took judgment upon himself. We don't really, the Passion of the Christ, it was such a, a terrific movie. And you know, that's the first, I mean, I'm not uh, one of those blood and guts guys. I mean, if, I, if we're watching TV and I've got the remote in my hand and there's something that comes up and it's a surgery thing. I mean, Monty does, she's a surgical tech. I, I said, don't, don't tell me what you do. <laughs> do not tell me what you do. And if I'm watching on TV, I think that's, that's rated X, triple X. They should not show the knife cutting. I mean, that's just wrong. But anyway, I don't like that stuff. But when I was watching The Passion of the Christ, man, I mean, I had to turn my head when they were, when they were uh, beating Jesus. I mean, it was just like, oh, I was all teary-eyed and crying. And I, just, and I don't like to see stuff like that. I do not like to see stuff like that, blood and guts and everything. You know, I can watch a war movie, but I don't want to watch somebody get cut up. But anyway, I was sitting there watching that, and it was so horrible. But I heard Andrew Walmack say this. He sat there, and he said that uh, the Lord gave him a picture of what Jesus really looked like before he went and saw the movie. Before he saw the movie, the Lord showed him that, you know, it says in Psalms, and I've read this so many times, how that his bones, the Bible says it's a prophecy of Jesus, how his bones stared at him. If your bones are staring at, me, at yourself, that means you don't have any flesh and muscle covering them. That means you're ripped up pretty bad. I mean, the passion of the Christ, he was ripped up pretty bad, but I didn't see any bones. He also said that, and this is what really got a hold of me. The Bible says that he became sin. Jesus became sin. But you know in Galatians 3.13, it says he became cursed. So you've got to find out what the curse is. Deuteronomy chapter 28 is all of the sickness. And Deuteronomy 28, 60-something, one, around in there, it says in every sickness that's not listed here is part of the curse. So basically, Deuteronomy 28 saying all sickness from the time of Adam until today, until the last person on this planet, all sickness... Jesus 
became. He bore the curse. He became the curse. That disfigured his body to where the Bible says he didn't even look like a man. Passion of the Christ, he still looked like a man. When they literally saw Jesus, he didn't look like a human. That gives a whole different meaning of what he has done for you and me, honey. Are you hearing me? He not only became sin, he became cursed. Why? So that you and I can be free from the curse. We can be free from the sin. He paid the price. And you're going to sit there and tell me that this loving father that did that, he may just drown your house though and used it. That's why I get a little uppity about this. He bore the curse for me. And that he took to the grave. So listen to me now. This is going to be part of next week's message. You're getting a prelude. Sin was taken to the grave. I'm dead to sin. Because Jesus died. Who became sin? Who knew no sin? Sin died. That's not all that died. The curse died. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you got heart problems, if you got kidney problems, if you got allergies, if you got sugar diabetes, if you got high blood pressure, all of that was placed upon Jesus and it died. When he died, it died with him. The good news is, not only did he die with it, he was resurrected and conquered it and was resurrected without sin and without sickness and disease on his body. Why is that important? You and me are in Christ. So when we do baptism, I died with him, but I was also resurrected with him. But then you have to believe, sin died over Mike Davis. And not only sin died, but every sickness that's ever been thought of or even thought about being on this planet died with him and it died with me. So therefore, I do not have to bear any sickness and disease because I'm dead not only to sin, I'm dead to sickness, honey. Keep swallowing. <laughs> so you don't have to let sickness, you have the ability not to allow that stuff to come up on you. You have the power to do that. And it's not because of you, though. You think, oh, I'm just going to have to get that up. It has nothing to do about you. It has nothing to do about us. It has to do with, do you believe that happened to him? So our faith should not be in Mike, should not be in yourself. Your faith needs to be in him. What did him do for you? He became sin for me. He became cursed for me. And he took that to the grave with him. But he was resurrected and conquered it. And now seated at the right hand of Father where I am seated. Far above all principality, all power, all might, and all dominion, everything in his name, I'm far above it. Any sickness, any disease, poverty. I didn't even mention that. He became poor so that you and I can be rich. Definition of rich, that's up between you and God. But I do know one thing. doesn't mean you got any lack. Poverty died with him. 
That's part of the curse. Poverty died with him. He became poor and poverty, it went to the grave with him. Everything that was on Jesus and went to the grave is supposed to stay in the grave. Everything that went to the grave is supposed to stay in the grave. Hallelujah. So you just think upon these things. And it, first of all, it'll cause you to think different. And what will happen? Something on the inside will start changing the way that you think and perceive your heavenly father. And you'll start having more victory in your life. Because the devil is causing people to be defeated. There's, uh, to be honest with you, there's not too much difference between church goers and non-church goers. That is, that's, that's just wrong. Church people should, and I, I'm not condemning you. Please, because I battle things too, honey. But I do know what I'm supposed to be living or receiving. Let me put it that way. I do know that I'm supposed to be receiving everything that he did for me 2,000 years ago. I don't have to attain it. Don't have to work for it. It's been paid for. I just need to make sure I believe that he did it for Mike. You have to believe that he did it for you. He did all of that for you. This will cause you to walk in victory more than you ever have. Why do you think in the land of Goshen, people like the, the, the story of when they were in Egypt, Goshen is a town, a village inside of Egypt. It's not on the outskirts. It's right in the middle or kind of in the middle of Egypt. In the land of Goshen, when all of the curse was coming upon the Egyptians when they were having, you know, cattle dying and uh, grasshoppers eating and, and flies are swarming. None of that was happening in Goshen. There was a difference between God's people and the world. There was a difference. So much so that, I mean, the biggest one was the last one. Uh, uh, well, two big ones. I think one was when there was total darkness over the land. You couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. But you step into the land of Goshen, boom, the sun's shining. Dark? Light. It didn't matter where. I mean, you, you, when that got out, don't you know some of the Egyptian people go, I'm going to go check this out. <laughs> they had to go by Braille and go all the way to the Goshen. As soon as they got to Goshen, man, sunshine on my shoulder. Makes me happy. You want me to sing? No, I'm on. I know where my gifting is, and it is not there. But anyway, and then the, the, the firstborn of all of their kids died, but not in the land of Goshen. The Bible says in Psalms that a mixed multitude came out of Egypt and went with the children of Israel. It wasn't just Jews, honey, that left Egypt that day. It was Egyptians and every nationality of the known world that was living in Egypt went with Israel. I would have went too. White boy from Kentucky, man, I don't care what I am. I'm going with those, those, I mean, I saw that there was a difference. Listen to me. There was a difference in Goshen that God says, I am God, and this is what I will do for my people. Now we come to the New Testament, and he says, I am God, and this is what I have done 
for my people. 2,000 years ago, I took your sin. I took your curse. I took your poverty. I took everything that will rob you of joy and happiness and peace. I took it all so that you can walk free from it and be in victory 24-7. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. That is the testimony of Paul. It should be mine and your testimony as well. Don't let religion or somebody who taught you something different tell you otherwise. This is your heavenly father, and he wants you to be his mouthpiece. Don't be so uh, vain popping as I am right now, but you know what I mean. Let's stand.